Well, good morning, Oakwood. I am Chris Barnett, and for one, for the rest of today, I am the Family Life Minister here at Oakwood Christian Church. And you might say, well, what happens after that? Well, I am transitioning over into the executive pastor position. You know, I've had a lot of people coming up to me and congratulating me on, uh, you know, a promotion. And, you know, I'm not really sure how to take that because I'm, I'm really not sure that God sees it as a climb in a ladder, as a, as a step up. I, I, I think that God sees it as taking somebody who has a certain style of ministry, has a certain way of, of getting things done, and moving them into an area that suits his purpose, not man's purpose. And then bringing on somebody else into a position that I think is just going to be uh, just something that is uh, really, really glorifying to God. Uh, bringing Hunter Ritchie into the... the the oak over there, I, I really, really am excited to see what he's going to be bringing into that, that area. And, you know, when I think about this move, I'm kind of, you know, i reminded of what it says in James 3. And it says, not many of you should have aspirations to be teachers because you'll be held to a stricter account. And you might say, well, that, you know, you're, all you're doing is changing from one ministry to you. So you're still, you're, you're a teacher here. You're just going to be teacher in a different area. But I think that it also is kind of linked to responsibility. I think, what is it? Spider-Man has that with greater... Uh, power or authority, there's greater responsibility. I think that's how it goes. But I don't see this as a powerful move. I see this as a transition of how direction that the uh, God is moving. And so, you know, this has taken me through a time in my life that's really lasted about a little over a year. And so this morning, I think I'm going to be a little bit casual, you know, a little bit more, hopefully, uh, my words will come across uh, as they're meant. Uh, but, you know, I started this journey even before the, this was even a blip on the radar. Uh, it's been over a little uh, year ago that God gave me this desire to 
just start listening to podcasts, sermons, teachings. Uh, I actually went to multiple conferences that I normally haven't gone to in the past. Uh, and it has molded, has, has changed, influenced my theology that uh, I'm coming into this. And now as I look back on it, I see that this has been a thing of God that God has used because he was preparing me for something that I didn't even know he was going to bring me into. And that's, you know, the way that God works is he does things ahead of us. He doesn't wait for us to make moves. He, he does things and prepares things ahead of this. And so I just wanted to kind of bring up that, that I, I, I listen to a lot of things because I want you to realize that some of you listen, probably listen to some of the same things that I've listened to. And if anything in this message sounds like somebody else, it, it probably is. Because uh, everything that influencing, I mean, even preaching comes from the Word of God. It's not something that is original to the speaker. It is something that is uh, shared because God said, this is what they need to hear. And so, I don't claim any originality. If I remember who said it, I will try to, to share that with you. But if I don't, don't think that's what I, I'm trying to claim, that I am uh, the originator of that thought, it, it's just that I'm getting older and I can't remember everything. So uh, that being said, I just want you to know that this is a conglomeration of over a year's worth of Christian walk, teaching, and uh, really mindful prayer and, and meeting with God. So, you know, before we get into anything else, let's do that. Let's gather our thoughts. Let's go before the Lord and ask for His understanding on this message. Father, we do ask for Your intervention. I know my weaknesses, I know my deficiencies, and I ask that you would overcome anything that is a distraction, that you would overcome anything that anybody may be distracted by or not be able to understand. Let me uh, be able to get across what you want to be said. And also, Father, I just ask that you work on the hearts and the minds of the hearer, that they hear what is meant to be said, and that offense is taken out of it, that this is meant to be loving and nurturing, not meant to be uh, offensive. And we ask that you would guide it, that you would be the one that would be directing everything, and that your glory would be paramount 
at this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. Well, I titled this message, A Christian in Denial. Uh, and the, the kind of subheading is Embracing Change in 2018. And I, I, I say that, and I kind of, it's, this morning, I really didn't realize that this was New Year's Eve. My daughter, actually, Sela, we were walking in after getting the donuts and everything like that, and she mentioned something that sparked, oh, yeah, this is the last day of 2017. And so, you know, I, I, that kind of was like, well, maybe I should have done something to my message to make it more year-ending or something like that. And then I realized, no, that's God. You gave me something that I was uh, writing several months ago. And there's a purpose for that. And so um, this may not be, you know, the year-end message that uh, you might be used to or expect, but I do believe it is uh, something from God. And so um, I did title it, A Christian in, in Denial. And we kind of think about, okay, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's not uh, what the, somebody in the praise team said back in the green room during the first service. I was talking, they asked, you know, what is it? And I said, a Christian in denial. And somebody says, that's in Egypt. You know, no, it's, it's not denial as denial. It's Christian in denial. And it's also not denial of uh, that you're denying Christ. I think that if we took a poll here in, in the church this morning that a very high percentage of people would claim Christ. They would say, I'm, I'm a Christian. And yet I think that we are in denial that the, what this book requires of a Christian is not a suggestion, but a command. You know, we're in a military town, and uh, I know that if, when I say this, that a lot of military people will understand there are consequences for you refusing an order of your officer. But every day... We refuse orders from our commanding officer. We claim Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, but yet we don't live by His commands. And so this was uh, something that you know came up in my life the, the, as I was journeying through this of whether or not I lived by God's commands. Do I actually live by this? And it brought me to Mark chapter 8. You know, Mark chapter 8. And this is the time, you know, it's right after where 
Jesus asked the disciples, okay, who do you say I am? And Peter made this great confession of, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And just after that, Jesus starts talking about going back to Jerusalem, and he's going to be persecuted and eventually put to death. And Peter pulls him over to the side and says, "Uh uh-uh. Not while I'm here. I'm going to take care of this right now. You're not going back to Jerusalem. And it makes Jesus have to say, get behind me, Satan, because you're not in line with what God has for me to do. And so this is where we come to Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And he turns and calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So the first part of that passage says, If anyone would come after me. Now some, some of the translations say, uh, If anyone would want to be my disciple. Some of them say, if anybody would wish to follow me. But so the first question that we have to answer is, do I have a desire for Jesus? Do I have a desire? The word there in the, in the text, the Greek word there is thelo which is a resolved desire. It's not a want. It's a need. I love it how uh, Seibel, during the first uh, service, he tied it in at the end with uh, oxygen. You know, we have a, a need for oxygen. We have this desire. We like oxygen. We like to breathe. But when you're drowning... It becomes desperation. It's more than just a, you know, yeah, I like it. No, now you have to have it. And so that's the question. Do you have to have Jesus? Is that the desire that you have? John Piper puts it this way. He says, if you gained all the benefits of eternity in heaven and Jesus was not there, would you still want to go? Think about that for a little bit. If you, if heaven, there's no difference. You got eternal life, the streets of gold, you got a mansion in heaven, all of the songs that we sing, uh, and everything, and Jesus was not there. Are you okay with that? We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. We should want Jesus. I know a lot of people that come, you know, they say, well, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get to heaven? Well, I'm going to talk to one of my ancestors. I'm going to go see my grandpa. Or somebody says, well, I want to sit down and talk to Paul. Really? Jesus is there. The first thing you should want to do is talk to Jesus. You should want to be with Him. You should want to spend eternity face to face 
with him. And that's where I have been this past year is just going through that is do I have this desire? And I had to come to the realization that I, yeah, I liked him. I claim him as my Lord and Savior. I have this relationship with him. We go out every once in a while. But I don't have, I didn't have this obsession with Jesus. And so I had to come to grips with that. And now I feel like that is where God has taken me to answer this question of, yes, I do desire him. Not because of what he can give me. Like Paul says, even though he slays me, I still will praise that one. Paul, that's Job. Even though he slays me, I still will praise his name. Do you have that desire? And if you say yes, then, then what? Well, this passage there in, chapter, in verse 34, it says that you would come after me and then let him deny himself. This is where I got this Christians in denial because we're supposed to live in denial. For a Christian, denial is a positive. We think as denial as a negative, but it is a positive. We are supposed to live in denial, not the fake denial of where are we deny the truth of Scripture and continue living our lives the way that we want, but the denial that our own selfish desires change. We no longer are pursuing attention and personal gain. This denial is disassociation from any form of personal gain. And it goes back, do you desire Jesus for his self or are you just wanting his rewards? Are you wanting him for what he can give to you? And one thing that God had to have me deal with is something that I think that I've held on for too long and I no longer do, is uh, I've actually held, in the past, I held on to judging things of God by my own personal preferences. I've actually walked out of worship services and said, you know, I really didn't care for that new song. Didn't like the way they did that one. Or, you know, I'm not sure if I liked how the haze was. Or the lights. Or it was too loud. You know, complaining about it. And God convicted me of this through a message that I heard from Francis Chan. And Francis Chan gave this illustration of Revelation 
chapter 4. It's a picture of the throne room in heaven, and I'm going to read it to you. I could paraphrase it, but I think it's more powerful actually read, and it says that starting chapter 4, verse 2, at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. Don't know what Carnelian is, but that's what he looked like. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature was the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within and day and night. They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And then the beginning of chapter 5, it talks about a scroll that can't be opened, and they're sad because nobody can open the scroll. And then the Lamb of God shows up, Jesus, and they say that He's able to open the scroll. And so we go to chapter 5, verse 9, and it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God. And from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders voice of many angels. Numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and the Lamb be blessed and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures say, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. That is a worship service going on in heaven. And you picture that. And now, picture this angel. Flies into that. And he flies down. And he says, You know, guys, I don't know if I like this new song. Let's go back and sing the old one. And one of the elders say, yeah, 
And I wish he'd turn down that thunder. It's just a little bit too loud for me. And another one says, yeah, those lightning, all of those, the fire out front and everything, pyrotechnics, it looks like a rock concert in here. And then one of the young angels, maybe there's young angels, I don't, God can do whatever he wants to, he comes in and says, well, I'm sick and tired of some us just trashing this song. You're singing it way too slow. It sounds like a funeral march. How stupid does that sound? That something that is praising God would garner complaint. We have to realize that we have to let go of our own personal preferences. Maybe, just maybe, God is more concerned about reaching the lost than placating the saved. So, we have this desire for Jesus. We want to deny ourselves. We start denying ourselves so so what do we do next? Well, the passage says you take up your cross. I know what happens on a cross. Why in the world would I want to do that? Well, the reason is is because the cross is a symbol of submission. The Romans used to make people carry their own cross as a final symbol of their supreme authority. We'll even make you carry your own instrument of death because that's how powerful we are. Jesus' cross, where he tells us to take up the cross, is an admission that he is supreme over our lives. That you, that being the Lord of, and our Lord and Savior is just not a catchphrase, it is an actual living out that he is in charge. He is the one that gives you your orders. And so, if we have this desire for Jesus and we deny our own preferences for personal gain and we take up our cross of submission to His authority, then what do we do? It says, we follow Jesus. 
that we actively pursue His glory. It sounds like that we're the ones providing the action, but that's not how it is. You know, it, it's not the following like following a, uh, somebody's directions. You know, you go and ask, you know, how do I get from here to there? And they give you directions and then you go follow that directions. A lot of the, the younger people here won't, don't even know what a map is, but it's not like following a map either. We used to actually have physical maps and you could never fold it back to get it back into the, the glove compartment. But now, and it's not even like following the GPS on your phone either. It's not like that. This follow is like being in tow. Have, have you ever had your car break down and somebody had to come and tow you to some place. Well, you still sit behind the wheel and you have this mindset, I'm still kind of in control, but the thing you'll learn pretty soon is if you try to go a different direction than the person that's pulling you, it doesn't work. And that's what this follow is this follow is you are no longer in control of the direction that your life is going it is being towed by Jesus you are being towed the direction that he is going just because you have a certain mechanic you like to go to doesn't mean that he's taking you to that mechanic he may be taking you where you need to go instead of where you want to go a lot of times we have a problem with not paying so much attention in our doing things for Jesus, doing things for the ministry, that we pay so much attention to the what that we have little regard for the why. We don't think about, you know, well, why do we do what we do and D.L. Moody has a quote that, that I just love. When I heard this, it was one of those things that just sent, just quakes through my whole being of, this is me. But his quote says that our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. You know, in my life I've had a lot of accomplishments over the years of ministry. There's been successes, but I also failed to do certain things because I was afraid. I didn't take up certain causes because 
you know, what would people think about me? That really isn't how things are done. That's, uh, that's not politically correct. But when I look back, most of my successes are victories over meaningless battles. I've had more meaningful failures than meaningful successes. And when I contemplate on, you know, why, I came to the realization that when I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm at my end of my abilities, that's when God things can happen. That's when ministry starts. That's when we can do things that actually start lighting up people's minds and bring their attention to Christ. When we take the focus off of ourselves and we put it on Jesus, then that is when things progress. So, if you're tired of celebrating meaningless victories, what do you do? Well, that verse 34 says it. It says to, if you desire to follow Jesus, then deny yourself. Deny your selfish desires. Take up His cross of submission and authority and follow Him. And that's the journey I've been on the past little over a year of realizing I've been doing things on my own way too much. I've been doing things the way Chris would do it. And that's not a good thing because his way is so much better. But one thing I did learn, it, it's not a safe journey. You know, the end of the year ended up with me in, being in an area that I'm kind of not sure about how this works. It reminds me of my favorite quote from the Chronicles of Nardia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There's a, a kind of a goat character, a fawn named Mr. Tumnus. And there's Aslan is the lion that is the representative of Jesus in, in the, the stories. And Mr. Tumnus tells... Uh, I forgot if it was Lucy or I think it was Lucy that he tells Lucy he's like, he, he's not a tame lion. And that's something that I've had to come to realize. Jesus doesn't fit inside my box. I'm not taking Jesus where I'm going. I am going to go where he is going. 
The call of discipleship is a call of self-denial, constant ridicule, as you can tell with the culture, the way it's gone. It's not an easy road. But the reward is the greatest gift you ever get. The reward is Jesus. Would you bow with me? Father, we do thank you that your son paid such a heavy price so that we can have him. And as we're coming into a new year, we just ask that you would help us to embrace the change that's going to happen. That you would direct us and force us to get outside ourselves. Get outside our man-made traditions, our, the way things have been done that we would be seeking the lost, seeking what would draw them to you. Lift you up and you will draw men to yourself. And we ask that you would do that in this coming year and that you would keep our preferences for how things are done behind us. And that we would follow you into the battle where you're fighting, not go off fighting where we think needs to be fought, but that we would follow you. And we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor forever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.